0: Thomas Watson, the Christian on the Mount, showing the necessity of meditation. It is not enough to carry God's book about us, but we must meditate on it. The necessity of meditation will appear in three particulars. Number one, the end, why God has given us his word written and preached, is not only to know it, but that we should meditate in it. The scripture is a love letter which the great God has written to us. We must not run it over in haste but meditate upon God's wisdom in writing and His love in sending it to us. Why does the physician give his patient a remedy? Is it only that he should read it over and know the remedy, or that he should apply it? The end why God communicates His gospel remedies to us is that we should apply them by fruitful meditation. Do you think that God would ever have been at the pains of writing His law with His own finger only that we should have the theory and notion of it. Is it not that we should meditate on it? Would he have been at the cost to send abroad his ministers in the world to furnish them with gifts, Ephesians chapter 4? And must they, for the work of Christ, be near unto death, that the Christian should only have an empty head knowledge of the truths published? Is it speculation or meditation which God aims at? Number two. The necessity of meditation appears in this, because without it, we can never be godly Christians. A Christian without meditation is like a soldier without weapons, or a workman without tools. Without meditation, the truths of God will not stay with us. The heart is hard and the memory slippery, and without meditation, all is lost. Meditation imprints and fastens a truth in the mind. Serious meditation is like the engraving of letters in gold or marble which endures. Without meditation, all our preaching is but like writing in sand, or like pouring water into a sieve. Reading and hearing without meditation is like weak medicine, which will not work. Lack of meditation has made so many sermons in this age to have a miscarrying womb and dry breast. Number three. Without meditation, the truths which we know will never affect our hearts. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 6. These words which I command you this day shall be in your heart. How can the word be in the heart unless it be wrought in by meditation? As a hammer drives a nail to the head, so meditation drives a truth to the heart. It is not the taking in of food, but the stomach's digesting of it which makes it turn into nourishment. Just so, it is not the taking in of a truth at the ear, but the meditating on it, which is the digestion of it in the mind, which makes it nourish. Without meditation, the word preached may increase notion, but not affection. There is as much difference between the knowledge of a truth and the meditation on a truth as there is between light of a torch and the light of a sun. Set up a lamp or torch in a garden and it has no difference. But the sun has a sweet influence. It makes the plants to grow and the herbs to flourish. Just so, knowledge is like a torch lighted in the understanding, which has little or no influence. It does not make a man the better. But meditation is like the shining of the sun. It operates upon the affections. It warms the heart and makes it more holy. Meditation fetches life into truth. There are many truths which lie, as it were, in the heart dead, which when we meditate upon, they begin to have life and heat in them. Meditation on a truth is like rubbing a man in the swoon. It fetches life. It is meditation which makes a Christian. Number four. Without meditation, we make ourselves guilty of sliding God and His word. If a man lets a thing die inside and never minds it, it is a sign he slights it. God's word is the book of life. Not to meditate in it is to undervalue it. If a king puts forth an edict or proclamation and the subjects never mind it, it is a sliding of the king's authority. God puts forth his law as a royal edict. If we do not meditate on it, it is a sliding his authority and contempt done to the divine majesty, showing the reasons why there are so few godly Christians. Use number one information. It gives us a true account why there are so few godly Christians in the world, namely because there are so few meditating Christians. We have many who have Bible ears. They are swift to hear but slow to meditate. This duty has grown almost out of fashion. People are so much in the shop that they are seldom on the mount with God. Where is the meditating Christian? Where is he who meditates on sin, hell, eternity, the recompense of reward, who takes a prospect of heaven every day? Where is the meditating Christian? It is to be bewailed in our times that so many who go under the name of professors have banished godly discourse from their tables and meditation from their closets. Surely the hand of Joab is in this. The devil is an enemy of meditation. He cares not how much people read and hear He knows that meditation is a means to compose the heart and bring it into a gracious frame. Satan is content that you should be hearing and praying Christians just as long as you're not meditating Christians. He can stand your small shot, provided you do not put in this bullet. A reproof to such as do not meditate in God's Word. Use two of reproof. It serves to reprove those who meditate indeed, but not in the Word of God. They turn all their meditations the wrong way, like the man who lets forth the water of his meal, which should grind his corn into the highway, where it does no good. Just so, there are many who let out their meditations upon other fruitless things, which are in no way beneficial to their souls. Number one, the farmer meditates on his acres of land, not upon his soul. His meditation is how he may improve a barren piece of ground, not how he may improve a barren mind. He will not let his ground lie fallow, but he lets his heart lie fallow. There is no spiritual culture, not one seed of grace sown there. Number two, the physician meditates upon his remedies, but seldom on those remedies which the gospel prescribes for his salvation. Faith and repentance. Commonly, the devil is physician to the physician. Having given him such stupefying drug that for the most part he dies of a lethargy. Number three, the lawyer meditates upon the common law, but as for God's law, he seldom meditates in either day or night. The lawyer, while he is meditating on his client's evidences, often forgets his own. Most have their spiritual evidences to seek when they should have them to show. Number four, the tradesman is for the most part meditating upon his wares. His study is how he may increase his estate and make the ten talents into a hundred. He is cumbered about with many things. He does not meditate in the book of God's book, but in his account book, day and night. In the long run, you will see these were fruitless meditations. You will find that you are but golden beggars and have gotten but a fool's purchase when you die. Luke 12:20. Number five, there is another sort that meditate only upon mischief, who devise iniquity. Micah 2.1. They meditate how to defame and to defraud. Amos chapter 8, verse 5. They make the ephah small and the shekel great. The ephah was a measure used in buying, the shekel a weight used in selling. Many who should support too often supplant one another. And how many meditate revenge! It is sweet to them as dropping honey. Their hearts shall meditate terror, Isaiah thirty-eight eighteen. The sinner is a felon to himself, and God will make him a terror to himself. A holy persuasion to meditation. Use number three of exhortation. I am in the next place to exhort Christians to this so necessary duty of meditation. If ever there were a duty, I would press upon you with more earnestness and zeal. It would be this, because of so much of the vitals and spirit of religion lies in it. The plant may as well bear fruit without watering. The food may as well nourish without digesting, as we can fructify in holiness without meditation. God provides the food ministers can but cook and dress it for you, but it must be inwardly digested by meditation. For lack of this, you may cry out with the prophet, Isaiah twenty four sixteen, My leanness, my leanness, woe unto me. Oh, let me persuade such as fear God seriously to set upon this duty. If you have formerly neglected it, be well your neglect, and now begin to make conscious of it. Lock up yourselves with God, at least once a day, by holy meditation. Ascend this hill, and when you have gotten to the top of it, you shall see a fair prospect, Christ and heaven before you. Let me put you in mind of that saying of Bernard, O saint, know you not that your husband Christ is bashful and will not be affectionate in company. Retire yourself by meditation into the closet or the field, and there you shall have Christ's embraces. Canticles 7, verses 11 and 12. Come, my beloved, let us go forth into the field. There will I give you my love. Oh, that I might invite Christians to this rare duty. Why is it that you do not meditate in God's law? Let me expostulate the case with you. What is the reason? Methinks I hear some say, We are indeed convinced of the necessity of the duty, but alas, there are many things that hinder. There are two great objections that lie in the way. I shall remove them, and then hope the better to persuade to this duty. The Answering of Objections Objection number one. I have so much business in the world that I have no time to meditate. Answer. The world indeed is a great enemy to meditation. It is easy to lose one's purse in a crowd, and in a crowd of worldly employments it is easy to lose all the thoughts of God. So long as the heart is in an exchange, I do not expect that it should be a temple. But, to answer the objection, Have you so much business that you have no time for meditation, as if piety were a minor matter, a thing fit only for idle hours? What? No time to meditate? What is the business of your life but meditation? God never sent us into the world to get riches. I speak not against labor in a vocation, but I say this is not the end of our existence. The errand God sent us into the world about is salvation, and that we may attain the end we must use the means, namely holy meditation. Now have you no time to meditate? Just as if a farmer should say that he has so much business that he has no time to plow or sow? Why, what is his occupation but plowing and sowing? What a madness is it to hear Christians say they have no time to meditate? What is the business of their lives but meditation? Oh, take heed, lest by growing rich you grow worth nothing at last. Take heed that God does not sue out the statute of bankruptcy against you, and you be disgraced before men and angels. No time for meditation. You shall observe that others in former ages have had as much business as you and public affairs to look after, yet they were called upon to meditate. Joshua 1.8, You shall meditate in this book of the law. Joshua might have pleaded an excuse. He was a soldier, a commander and the care of marshalling his army lay chiefly upon him yet this must not take him off from piety joshua must meditate in the book of god's law god never intended that the great business of piety should give way to a shop or farm or that of a peculiar vocation should jostle out the general duty to holiness objection number 2 but this duty of meditation is hard To set time apart every day to get the heart into the meditating frame is very difficult. Gerson reports of himself that he was sometimes three or four hours before he could work his heart into a spiritual frame. Answer: Does this hinder? To this I shall give a threefold reply. Number one, the price that God has set heaven at is labor. Our salvation costs Christ's blood. It may well cost us sweat. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence. Matthew 11:12 It is as a garrison which holds out and the duties of religion are the taking it by storm A godly Christian must offer violence to himself though not natural self yet sinful self self is nothing but the flesh the flesh cries out for ease it is a libertine it is reluctant to take pains reluctant to pray reluctant to repent it is reluctant to put its neck under Christ's yoke Now a Christian must hate himself. No man ever hated his own flesh. Ephesians 5.29 Yes, in this sense, he must hate his own flesh. The lust of the flesh. Romans 8.13 He must offer violence to himself by mortification and meditation. You say that it is hard to meditate. Is it not harder to lie in hell? Number two, we do not argue so in other things. Riches are hard to come by. Therefore, I will sit still and be without them. No, difficulty is the whetstone of industry. How will men venture for gold? And shall we not spend and be spent for that which is more precious than the gold of Ophir? By meditation, we suck out the quintessence of a promise. Number three, though while we are first entering upon meditation, it may seem hard. Yet when once we are entered, it is sweet and pleasant. Christ's yoke at the first putting on may seem heavy, But when once it is own, it becomes easy. It is not a yoke, but a crown. Lord, says Austin, the more I meditate on you, the sweeter you are to me. According to Holy David, my meditation on you shall be sweet. Psalm 104, 34. The poets say the top of Olympus was always quiet and serene. Just so, it is hard climbing up the rocky hill of meditation. But when we are got up to the top, there is a pleasant prospect. And we shall sometimes think ourselves even in heaven. By holy meditation, the soul does, as it were, breakfast with God every morning. When a Christian is upon the Mount of Meditation, he is like Peter on the Mount when Christ was transfigured in Matthew 17. He cries out, Lord, it is good for us to be here. He is reluctant to go down the Mount again. If you come to him and tell him of a purchase, he thinks you bid him to His loss. What hidden manna does the soul taste now that it is on the Mount? How sweet are the visits of God's Spirit! When Christ was alone in the wilderness, then the angel came to comfort him. When the soul is alone in holy meditation and prayer, then not an angel but God's own Spirit does come to comfort him. A Christian who meets with God in the Mount would not exchange his hours of meditation for the most orient pearls or sparkling beauties that the world can afford. No wonder David spent the whole day in meditation. Psalm 119, 97 Nay, as if the day had been too little, he borrows a part of the night too. Psalm 63, 6 When I remember you upon my bed and meditate upon you in the night watches. When others were sleeping, David was meditating. He who has given much to meditation... Shall with Samson find a honeycomb in his duty? Therefore let not the difficulty discourage. The pleasantness will infinitely countervail the pains.